Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 204. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. And today's episode is for anyone dealing with anxiety, specifically while on the job hunt. I feel like this is such a common experience for anyone who's pushing themselves to get to that next level in their careers. It requires getting outside of your comfort zone. And for many of us, Doing just that can trigger a ton of stress and anxiety, and at times it might even rise to the level of managing an anxiety disorder. Well, if you are feeling that way, today's episode is for you, and it's full of great insights, so stick around to hear from my brilliant guest today, Dr. Tiffany Young. I also wanted to make a quick note that Enrollment for Hired, my new job search accelerator program, is extended through the end of the month. So many of you had questions and wanted to hop on a quick introductory call personally with me to just talk through your options and see if hired was right for you. So we wanted to allow for that time and also kick off the program with the fresh start of March 1st. So as a reminder, hired is my three month long accelerator program for job seekers that includes weekly lessons, small assignments that I will review personally and weekly accountability calls with a group of five or fewer peers and myself. I'm a big believer in the power of community in helping you bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. So if you're interested in learning more, head to bossedup.org slash get hired, or you can always just ping me, email me, hop into my inbox, emily at bossedup.org. And I'm always happy to set up a time to chat with you to see if hired is the right fit. Hired kicks off on March 1st. So do not delay enroll before the end of the month to join us. All right. So today I am thrilled to talk Talk through managing anxiety on the job search with Dr. Tiffany Young. She's a licensed professional counselor supervisor with a master's degree from Texas Women's University and a doctorate from Texas A&M. She's been in the mental health field for 15 years and has served in various arenas, including juvenile justice, private practice, domestic violence, inpatient psychiatric community education, and much more. She started her own firm, TY Mental Health Consulting Agency to help others looking for access to mental health services to overcome their barriers, fears, and insecurities regarding counseling and other mental health services. She helps eliminate stigma by educating, advocating, and empowering communities to bring mental health to the forefront. She's based in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and is considered that region's number one expert mental health consultant, a highly sought-after speaker, an Amazon best-selling author whose passion is to eliminate the stigma of mental illness and normalize the mental health conversation. 
Dr. Tiffany Young, welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So first, give us a little background. How did you find your way into this field of study and work? So I am a licensed professional counselor supervisor, and I'm actually one of the one in four Americans that experiences mental health and emotional concerns. I've actually lived with anxiety my entire life. And so that kind of prompted me to go into this work to help other women who are also experiencing anxiety as well. That's great. I mean, I feel like so many of us get into this work because we were our first client in some ways. Right. <laughs> right. That's certainly true for me here at Boss Dub. And let's start by just clarifying the difference between everyday stress, which I think pretty much all of us experience, and mm-hmm. what constitutes as an anxiety disorder or chronic anxiety. Can you elaborate on that? Oh, yeah, definitely. So a lot of us like to self-diagnose ourselves. And what I tell people is that an anxiety disorder is actually a diagnosable disorder that you have symptoms of anxiety. So that stress, that worry, those panic attacks for two weeks or more. Mm -hmm. And often it's an unknown reason. So you can't identify the trigger for the anxiety. It's often, I don't know why I'm anxious, why I'm worried. Someone who is regularly just stressed or having stressful symptoms, they can often tell you the symptoms and Mm. what the reason is. It also doesn't take over their life. So people with an actual anxiety disorder often don't sleep, don't eat, or it takes over some other part of their life to where it's causing um, a disturbance. Yeah, that's a really good point. So that's such an interesting distinction between knowing the source of your stress versus feeling like everything kind of triggers this hyperactive response or, or hyper-stimulated anxiety response. In my own therapy experience, th- this past year, I got back into therapy for the first time in almost six years because I was feeling very anxious and stressed. <laughs> and you're right, I gleefully self-diagnosed and my therapist reminds me that, you know, your anxiety is just doing its job sometimes. It's just pointing out potential danger on the horizon and Mm -hmm. knowing that, you know, making that connection between what is causing your stress and is this anxiety response valid? Is there truth to it? Is there something I can do to mitigate it? Um, Can help remind you this is sometimes treatable, especially if it's just everyday anxiety. I wonder what your thoughts are on on dealing with anxiety, if it's not at that disorder level, if it's sort of preliminary or or sort of everyday anxiety? Well, one thing is to be proactive, definitely know your triggers um, and then utilize the coping skills. You know, oftentimes when people have anxiety disorders, there, another issue is their coping skills stop working. But when you are just experiencing everyday stress, you're able to utilize your coping skills like, you know, reading a book, taking a walk, taking mm. a bath, those things that you enjoy that you've turned into coping skills. One of my favorites is journaling and actually writing out what's bothering me. And then I'm able to get those feelings and emotions out. And that helps me to subside my anxiety. And then also working out as well. That's a great stress reliever for me as well. Oh my gosh, me too. I was, uh, I had someone on the podcast recently talking about the healing powers of nature in particular. And I've been reading a lot about my favorite subject to talk about, which is burnout. And it's just, it's hard to replace the benefits of exercise with anything else, right? Mm -hmm. Nature's stress reliever, it's there for a reason. 
Well, I want to specifically ask you about a question that came up in the past in our online courage community where women share resources, support and guidance, especially when navigating big career transitions. So this comment came in from Alex in Washington, D.C., who said, I am finally getting my shit together. I'm starting to apply for new jobs. I've been at my company for the past five years and have grown as far as I can. But I am riddled with anxiety and self-doubt in just thinking about applying. The work involved, the self-reflection, the what if I'm not good enough feeling. It's actually causing physical manifestations almost bringing on a panic attack. Does anyone else experience the jitters when you decide to step out of your comfortable job, change it up and risk it? I can't stop overthinking this. Is this something you hear from your clients? Is this the kind of anxiety symptoms that might come up for women who are making big leaps? Oh my God. Every day I hear women who talk about um, anxiety due to transitions, not just with jobs, but any transition, whether it be a life transition, an employment transition, like you're talking about moving from state to state. So this is completely normal to feel some type of jitters, nervousness, or anxiety when it comes to transitioning. And women actually experience anxiety 50% more than men. So, you know, more susceptible to anxiety. So what would you counsel Alex to do? Like what should be her first steps? Well, again, the first step is definitely um, trigger identification. It is a one-time thing where it's something coming up such as a transition. You want to be able to acknowledge that. And the first step to any, you know, cure or process is acknowledgement. And a lot of times what people with anxiety do is they will fail to acknowledge that there's an actual problem. Mm. Acknowledgement is the first step. After that, you want to evaluate how did you get to this place? How did you get to a point where you were nervous about job interviewing? What's the backstory on that? Did something happen in a previous job? Did um, you fail at that job or did you get fired? Was there a layoff that you're concerned about? What is the backstory to that trigger? And then we have to take ownership of what's going on with us and what is our part in dealing with our symptoms? Is there a reason why that job didn't go so well? Did, Did you do something? Did you show up to work late? Did you not complete your assignments? You know, and that's often the hardest part because people... Even myself, I'm guilty. You know, we don't like to turn them on ourselves, right? (laughs) Totally. It's easy when we're evaluating to say, well, this person did this to me or this person did this to me or that job just wasn't for me. But when we take ownership and we turn that mirror on ourselves, we get a different perspective. And you definitely want to plan. And planning is using your coping skills or developing new coping skills, setting goals and deadlines, um, learning how to stay positive, learning when it's time to take a break and then rewarding yourself for when you get past these anxiety symptoms. So it's usually my four step change model. So when I work with my clients is acknowledging that there's an issue, evaluating how you got there, taking ownership of your part, if any, and usually let me say, there's always something (laughs) when it comes to ownership that we could have done differently. So don't sleep on that part and then planning on what your next steps are going to be. So interesting. I love the clarity in that model because 
when you're in the swirl of self-doubt in the job hunt process in particular, it can feel like you can't even get out of your own head, much less put pen to paper or submit a resume or get out there. And it, you know, there's so much talk about vulnerability these days and how essential vulnerability is for relationships and connection and and daring behavior, right? And I think about mm-hmm. the parallels between going on a first date and going on an interview for a new job. And it's just, there's just such an overwhelming amount of vulnerability involved because you are literally saying to someone, will you accept or reject me? Right. When you're in that process, and I, I've worked with women who have, you know, applied to 80 jobs and gotten rejected on all of them, right? Or, or, or landed interviews only to get rejected at the very last round. Right. How do you tolerate that much vulnerability, which is inherent in this process? You got to know when what your limits are. You got to know when it's time for you to take a break. And What's great about this model that I like to utilize this four-step process is that it's not just for things like anxiety. It can even work for things like what you're talking about, going on 80 interviews and getting declined. You can always use this model to determine, okay, let me acknowledge I've gone on 80 interviews. There's a problem. Something's going on. (laughs) Then let me evaluate how did I get to this point? Okay, I'm going to check my resume, make sure it's up to par. I'm going to talk to other people and see what they see in me. Because sometimes from the outside looking in, it's a different perspective than what what you think you're putting out. Right, right. I'm going to evaluate my my clothing choices. I'm going to evaluate, you know, do I have all the skills necessary for this job? Did I do my research? Mm. Then I'm going to take ownership of that. And then my next interview, I'm going to plan it out to make sure, you know, that I've hit all my buttons, hit all, crossed yeah. all my T's and dotted all my I's, you know? So that process is not just for when you're experiencing those traumatic symptoms, but it can also be something that you utilize just in everyday life. Right. I'm always going through this process in my daily life totally. um, because it is a deeper focus than just that surface level, use your coping skills type of thing. Totally. And I I think the evaluating phase in particular, that you just highlighted how helpful it can be to bring in someone else during that phase. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know about you, but I feel like I am my own worst critic. (laughs) And (laughs) I have seen the isolating effect of the job seeker who is up at 3am with the glow of her computer screen, hitting her face as she submits her 17th job application of the week. And it's just so depressing and isolating Mm -hmm. and self-doubt inducing as compared to taking any kind of a communal approach, you know, whether it's joining an accountability program or a coaching program or just having friend dates set up or contact, you know, informational interviews and professional contact meetups so that you can constantly be asking for feedback as you evaluate your approach with others. Right. What, What is your take on the isolation factor here? I think a lot of times, so people that have anxiety, we tend to feel a bit deeper than other people. We experience emotion very intensely. And so one of the things that we do is we hold everything in. We don't like to talk about it with other people. We think that we're a burden to others. We think what I'm feeling is not probably not as important as what somebody else is dealing with. And then we also people please. And so even that, just that anxiety of being a people pleaser and wanting everybody to like us 
is is difficult. And so, you know, we tend to isolate to try to get away from that and try to um, reduce those symptoms of panic. And so those are two things that I think has to do with the isolation, trying yeah. to hold everything in and then people pleasing. How do we overcome that? Because it sounds to me like in most cases, there's this initial barrier to the the benefit of connection on the other end of that barrier, right? And then if you're experiencing all this innate inclination, for lack of a better word, to keep it to yourself, like how do we move past that? How can we challenge ourselves to reach out and ask for help even when we feel like we're being a burden? So reaching out and asking for help, there's a couple of things that you got to do. Number one, you got to do it when you're ready Mm. and when you're ready to make that change because you can go to a coach, you can go to a counselor like myself, you can even go to friends and family, but until you have decided, and, and there's something so powerful in deciding. I know for myself, you know, when I make a decision to do something, that thing is going to get done. <laughs> yes. So much power in deciding. And so once you decide that it's time to change, I'm no longer going to let my anxiety problems take control of me, then ready to look for help. Yeah. Finding someone that you truly trust, truly trust. There's no shame in going to multiple counselors to find the right fit, going to multiple coaches and only talking to those people that are supportive of you. And I'm not talking about those people that are yes men or yes women that are just going to tell you what you want to hear, but those people that are actually supportive and want to see the best change for you. Totally. So doing it ready and then finding the right connections are important. Also getting connected to your source. I know a lot of people are spiritual or what, you know, what mm-hmm. have you. Mm-hmm. So getting connected to whatever source it is, whether it be family, friends, spiritual, whatever source that it is that you um, attest to, get connected to that um, because that is a, a place where you can be vulnerable. Right. Yeah. That's such a great point. It's sort of a, a reminder of the agency involved in this. Like you said, you've got to make that choice for yourself. And then there's work involved. Unfortunately, there's some work involved in finding the right person for you, especially in America, which we really don't make it all that easy (laughs) to find a counselor or to, or to have, you know, insurance that covers therapy. Um, But Mm -hmm. it is very, very much worth it. If it is something you're experiencing, I just want to give a hearty shout out to therapy (laughs) and working with a counselor. (laughs) Yay, therapy. I am so biased. On therapy. (laughs) Yeah, totally. So tell me a little bit about the choice moment for you. Like, when did you decide that dealing with your anxiety was something you were choosing to do, that you were ready for help? Well, um, you know, like I said, I've dealt with anxiety my entire life. But when I was 26, I did have my my child, my daughter. um, And that is when I decided that, you know, I can't let this anxiety take control of me anymore. My daughter is watching me. Yeah. And it's usually when someone or something that is more important than yourself that you're going to decide that you're going to make that change. Something that's pulling at you or pushing at you to reach further and reach your anxiety goals. Mm. Is what I like. <laughs> I know I saw that t-shirt on your website, drtlyoung.com. I love this shirt, anxiety goals. Tell me more about that. What do you mean by that? 
So being and living anxiety goals means that, you know, in spite of feeling deeply, again, we experience emotions more deeply than others. And it causes a lot of anxiety problems, which you get the symptoms of. You're able to shift your mindset and reduce those unwanted symptoms. And you're doing that intentionally by doing your work. Um, and it's daily. So it's not just a one-time fix. It's going to have to be a daily change. And that's what you do as you try to navigate, you know, living your best life, as everybody likes to say. <laughs> that's a good reminder of the daily nature of this too. I have to share, I'm in the midst of a self-imposed meditation challenge, whereby this month I've been challenging myself to meditate daily. And I have to admit, I already failed. I, I forgot this past weekend. I forgot on Saturday. But <laughs> the benefits of any kind of self-care practice, but especially mental health practices like meditation mm -hmm. or connecting to your source, as you said, or seeing a therapist, it's about repetition. And my therapist is constantly yeah. reminding me that what I'm really doing is I'm creating new neural pathways, right? Whereby my, my brain is kind of wired and comfortable in the habit of immediately jumping to the worst possible scenario. What could go wrong? Like that is a very well-established pathway in my brain. And she's reminding me that every mm -hmm. time I take a moment to express gratitude or journal, like you've said, or for me, meditate and really kind of connect and, and feel more grounded, that I'm just, I'm, I'm strengthening those alternative pathways and giving my brain another place to go. You're flexing your mental health muscles. Yes, exactly. And it feels like a workout because meditation <laughs> is hard. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's such an interesting point. So what are some of the daily practices that you or your clients rely on to really flex those muscles? So when presenting, unfortunately, you know, when you can't really flex or exercise unless you present, you're presented with that issue, right? So unless you're in an anxiety provoking situation, you can't really flex those muscles. But a lot of times when um, someone has anxiety symptoms, any little thing is going to trigger it. So you're going to get plenty of opportunity, such as social anxiety, just going out in public and isolating is important. Speaking to people that you're not normally speaking to, that you wouldn't speak to normally, not hiding behind a book or a phone or things like that. A lot of times people with anxiety, we like to hide so that people don't talk to us. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I feel like that's everyone also in the modern era, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wanting to be noticed, volunteering for things, raising your hand to do the presentation, um, raising your hand to take on that project. And then also, again, use, utilizing those personalized coping skills. Like for me, I, I have to journal every single day. Mm. I have to get that stuff out, which I call emotional unpacking. I got to unpack that stuff and get it out. Otherwise, it causes more and more anxiety. And then I'm reflecting. I'm doing that four-step process. I'm acknowledging there's a problem. I'm evaluating. I'm taking ownership mm. and planning different the next time. And like I said, every day, it's going to be a, a challenge. It's it's daily. You yeah. cannot do one time and think your anxiety is going to go away. And anxiety, just let me point this out. Anxiety may never go away. You may always have anxiety, mm. but it's also all about how you are managing it right. and how your mindset is towards it. How are you reaching your anxiety goals? Yeah, that's a really great reminder that we're not talking about elimination we're talking about management and managing your relationship with 
your stress or anxiety, right? right. Which is this two, right. it's like a step removed from feeling the pain or feeling the emotion to acknowledging how you feel about feeling <laughs> this way. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which is meta. But that's really what meditation has been helping me focus on as well. Tiffany, it sounds almost like you're saying you've got to sit in discomfort to grow in this way, which is something I've heard more than one therapist say, which is to put Mm -hmm. yourself in a challenging situation and sit in that discomfort. Tell me how and when that's productive and when it is not, because that sounds so uncomfortable, especially if someone like who has social anxiety forces themselves out or goes on an informational interview. It's so uncomfortable. So what's productive about that or why should we do that? What's interesting about anxiety is anxiety actually has a good side. (laughs) And I know that's crazy to say, but a little bit of anxiety is a good thing. It helps your brain to grow. It helps your brain to make good decisions and change and flex those mental health muscles. But that's not productive is when you're being harmed, is you're experiencing some type of maybe emotional crisis where you're thinking about harming yourself or someone else or someone else is harming you in the situation where you're feeling anxious. Okay. And that can be hard to perceive, I feel like, because what is real harm and what is just perceived danger of harm? You know what I mean? Like, that's a hard thing to differentiate. That is difficult. That is difficult. And it's going to come with, have you done your work? Have you processed what the root of your anxiety is because you can't really get to the maintenance and Mm. reaching your anxiety goals and changing your mindset and living intentionally until you've done that pre-work of what is the root? Have I really healed from the root of my anxiety? Mm. Interesting. That sounds like something to explore with a therapist. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Another plug for therapy. (laughs) Right. Shout out again to therapy. If you haven't unpacked your specific root of your specific challenges, do everyone in your life a favor and get a therapist. Yes. Go to therapy. (laughs) Yeah. It's such an interesting thing that you mentioned the arrival of your daughter being this impetus for you to take better care of yourself from a mental health standpoint. Because I wrote in my book about my relationship with my fabulous, wonderful, loving mother, but she kind of went in the opposite direction in that. And this is something I see often in a lot of us. She almost martyred herself for her family, for her, for her work, for the mission or whatever she's behind. I find it really easy for us to sacrifice self-care when we have a really urgent need, like a, a job, like we're unemployed or, you know, someone needs our care and attention. And what I hear you saying is actually the opposite is the way to go. Like when someone needs you, when you are more important than ever to be relied upon, it is more important than ever for you to establish the, the mental health foundation that will allow you to sustain your success. Is that what I'm hearing? That is what you're hearing. And it's it's the long time adage of put your mask on first before helping others. Mm. There is no possible way that you can care for others or, or take care of anyone if you're not, if you have not yet taken care of yourself. And one of the biggest issues with anxiety is that we often neglect self-care and self-love. Yeah. And then 
what I was afraid of or what I actually had anxiety about when my daughter came was passing that down to her. Mm. And so that's what made me the decision that, you know, anxiety is no longer going to control me and I have to do something about it. Yeah, definitely. And how long ago was that? How old is she now? She is eight years old. And what's interesting is I had just graduated from my master's in counseling. (laughs) And so I was still experiencing that anxiety the whole time. I've been experiencing anxiety and I still have some flare ups today, but I know how to control it. And, you know, I've had a lot of practice. So that's amazing. How do you feel looking back on the past eight years about how sort of taking care of yourself has impacted your daughter? I think it's made her see a strong woman, a strong mother, a strong role model. And I also teach her about her anxiety because I see it a little bit in her sometimes and everybody has it. It's not, you know, anything to be of, but I teach her early how to control her anxiety and how to go through this process of change. I love that. Yeah. I mean, maybe we all have that (laughs) in our lives in some form or fashion because, just gaining yeah. the tools that you've described and the ability to take a beat and really step back and evaluate what's happening and how to plan for it sounds like such an empowering process. It is. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, thank you, Dr. Tiffany, for joining us, for sharing your wisdom on this front. Tell us a little bit about how you work with others and, and what our listeners should know if they want to follow up with you. Well, I work with women who have anxiety such as myself and I help them to reach their anxiety goals. And the first thing you can do is go on to my website. It is um, drtlyoung.com and um, sign up and get my free mindset reset resource guide. It tells you what symptoms to look for and what to do when you are wanting to get help. And then you can go to the anxiety goals tab and take the anxiety test and it'll help you your anxiety. And then you and I will have a consultation and we'll schedule your first session from there. I love it. Dr. Tiffany, thanks so much for sharing your time and talents with our listeners today. No problem. Thank you so much. Check out today's show notes at bossedup.org slash episode 204 to get all the relevant links mentioned in today's conversation to related shows and Dr. Tiffany Young's website. And now it's time for this week's boss move of the week. This week's boss move comes in from Megan in North Carolina, who shared this with me via email. Hey, Emily. Wow. The negotiation guide you shared is an awesome resource. Thank you. I just got up the courage to initiate a review around my birthday in November to clarify my role and ask for more compensation from my boss, the owner of the company. I was nervous I was asking too much and the timing was bad because a week or two earlier I had just asked for two big chunks of time off for big trips and had convinced her of the need for an additional team member to take some of my load off who will need to be recruited and onboarded and paid. In the days and honestly hours leading up to the meeting, I binged relevant past episodes of the podcast that covered some of this info in the guide you sent, which hugely helps me prepare and feel confident. I'm thrilled to report that I got a promotion and title change, impressed my boss with my initiative in scheduling the meeting and the stats and accomplishments over the past year. The brag book that I wrote, I suppose. And I got the raise I wanted of 15%. 
I was prepared to ask for a bit higher and go down to my goal amount. But as I was getting ready to go to the final nerve wracking compensation part of the conversation, she offered my target number and got the raise I wanted of 15%. The conversation was very positive and full of gratitude from her. And she was very receptive to other ideas I mentioned, such as revisiting profit sharing. Needless to say, it was a fabulous birthday and I couldn't wait to share the news with my friends and encourage them to ask for what they deserve as well. Megan, happy belated birthday at this point, but happy birthday and congratulations on this. Thank you for writing in to share your come up story. You really never know who you're inspiring when you share your boss move. So if you've got a boss move to share or a career conundrum you want unpacked on this podcast next, call them in on the podcast hotline at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. You can always record a voice memo and email it to me as well, or just email me your boss move of the week. I love cheering you on. And I know this community does too. And by the way, for those of you who missed the negotiation guide and the live negotiation workshop that Megan's referring to in her boss move, you can find them at bossedup.org slash negotiation. There's a free guide waiting for you there and bossedup.org slash negotiation live for instant on-demand access to our two and a half hour workshop focused on step-by-step strategies to ask for more, whether you're negotiating a new job offer or a raise. Thanks for listening, y'all. That's all I got for you today. Head to bossdev.org slash episode 204 for all of today's relevant links. And in the meantime, keep bossing in pursuit of your purpose and together we'll lift as we climb.